now you get to trade a disgruntled player for a disgruntled player. I think that the Philadelphia 76ers made an incredible move. I think this move puts them head and shoulders above everybody else in the East. I see Brooklyn as the clear winner in this deal. There's a lot of buzz that Nets have won this trade and this and that. It's a cool lineup, but like one guy can't play home games yet. One guy hasn't played in how many months? All right, rolling right along here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty hanging out with you. So much going on in the NBA. But finally today, we got to hear from both Ben Simmons and James Harden with their new respective teams. And so for more on this and what it means going forward, let's welcome in Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good afternoon. So a weekend full of, or a day, I should say, full of press conferences, if you will. Let's start in Philadelphia now with James Harden. What was your biggest takeaway from what he said today at the podium? I thought it was the last thing he said, uh, that he just really felt like it made sense to be in Philadelphia and that he felt comfortable um, being with people that he was familiar with. Uh, Daryl Morey, obviously, who brought him to Houston almost a decade ago. Thad Brown, who was the president uh, on the business side of the franchise who in Houston for pretty much that entire run, who is now here with the Philadelphia 76ers also, and um, that he felt like everyone was aligned in wanting to win. And I think when you look at everything that's gone on the past couple months in Brooklyn, um, with the uncertainty surrounding the Kyrie Irving situation, it was hard to admit it when I asked him about it, uh, did affect the team. Um, I think for him, you look at this, he gets a chance to come to a team where he can partner with Joel Embiid. Uh, he was going to have the ball in his hands all the time, and he's going to be surrounded by people who he is comfortable with and has known for a long time and know how he wants to play and the ways he wants to play. And by the way, he's going to play for a coach at Doc Rivers that he called uh, in 2020 before being traded away from the Rockets to try to get to come to coach him in Houston. So, I think that comfort and familiarity were really, to me, the, the key things here for James Harden, and I think that came through today in his press conference. And, Tim, I want to go back to the preseason for the Brooklyn Nets when they put the contract extension for James Harden on the table and he declined to sign it. How much of Daryl Morey's pursuit of James Harden in the summer of 2022, how much of that played a factor in James Harden deciding to play this thing out and see how things went this season in Brooklyn? I mean, look, I think it's sort of impossible to say, Jordan or uh, Chris, how much that um, how much that impacted the way this thing played out. To me, though, the, where everything in Brooklyn went sideways was with Kyrie's decision not to get the vaccine. Right? Yeah. If he if he was on the court all the time this season, I think a lot of the stuff that's gone on just wouldn't have gone on because the Nets would have been really good. They would have been rolling along, and I think things would have probably you know, at least gotten to the place where they'd have gone through the season without issues, and then we might have saw something happen in the offseason, right? I mean, you look at the way things have played out ever since uh, Kyrie was brought back by the Nets in late December after spending the first couple months away from the team. Nets were in first place on Christmas Day. And, yes, they've had a lot of injuries since then, but they, they went from um, first place less than two months ago to now firmly in the middle of the play-in tournament mix and very likely going to be in the playing tournament at the end of the regular season. So, I mean, look, there's no question that uh, there's, it's certain, there's certainly no secret about the affinity Daryl Morey has for James Harden. And that's shown through in the Sixers' pursuit of trying to get this trade done, and it's certainly shown through today uh, when they were sitting next to each other on the podium uh, at the team's practice facility in Camden, New Jersey. But 
I think this story is from the from the Harden side is as much about what happened with Kyrie as about what happened with Harden. Yeah, I agree with you. We're talking to Tim Bontemps right now, ESPN NBA writer. Uh, today we heard from both Ben Simmons and James Harden. Okay, let's let's fast forward to after the All Star break, and we're just going to kind of project here a little bit, Tim. Once Kevin Durant gets back into the fold, which trade? Do you think works out better in the immediate future? Do you think it's James Harden with the 76ers? We start to see them gel better. Or do you think it's the situation in Brooklyn, obviously, with once we assume Ben Simmons gets back into the fold? I think you'll have to say in the short term that it's probably going to work out better for Philly simply for the fact that there's so much uncertainty in Brooklyn, right? You still don't know what's happening with Kyrie with the vaccine mandate. Could that change at some point? Could that allow him to be back on the court? We're still not exactly sure when Kevin Durant is going to play. Uh, obviously, he's been out for a while with this MCL sprain. Hopefully, he is back shortly after the All-Star break, like you mentioned. And then we have to find out how long it's going to be before Ben Simmons is able to play, right? He, he's still working through um, the issues that kept him off the court here in Philadelphia. He said today he feels good and hopes to be able to play by the time the two teams square off here in Philly on March 10th, which if he does, sure, certainly should be a pretty blockbuster uh, game here at the Wells Fargo Center to see. But ultimately, I just think because of the amount of questions that, are, that have to be answered in Brooklyn, I, for the Sixers, it's pretty much, okay, James Harden's going to come back next week and play uh, almost certainly in Minnesota next Friday, and he'll be on the court, right? Whereas in Brooklyn, you have a lot more variables that have to start out. Now, I do think long-term, I think this trade has a chance to really benefit the Nets. I would probably rather have Ben Simmons over the next few years than James Harden. I think if the fit isn't great, they could send him somewhere else in a deal potentially. Um, and I'm not sure about how Harden's contract is going to look in a couple of years uh, as he gets into his mid to late 30s. But I think if you're asking me over the next two or three months, I think you have to favor the Sixers simply for the fact that, like I said, there's just a lot, like, lot, a lot fewer questions that this team has to answer. Talking with ESPN NBA writer Tim Bontemps on ESPN Radio. And Tim, Ben Simmons sure had a lot to say about his exit in Philly uh, uh, at his press conference with the Brooklyn Nets, with Steve Nash and Sean Marks. Overall, what did you make of his commentary about what happened and how that situation devolved leading to him being a Brooklyn Net? I mean, I got a chance to hear a good portion of it before the James Harden presser, uh, presser started today, and I thought it was mostly what you'd expect to hear, right? Like, Ben was, was unhappy here. It was, you know, clearly unhappy here, and he was unhappy here for fairly clear reasons, so... I thought he kind of, you know, went back to that. And, you know, look, I, you know, hopefully he's able to get to a place where he's able to be on the court and play because I think what's sort of been forgotten in all of this, um, you know, all the stuff that's gone on over the past, I guess, close to a year now or at least seven, eight months, Ben Simmons is a really, really good basketball player. And he's a guy I really like to watch play. And, you know, hopefully he's able to get back on the court here in the next few weeks and start playing. Because um, like I said before, I think the fit in Brooklyn could be really good. And I think he's a really good player and it's fun to watch him play. So, you know, I, he, you know, he sort of, you know, he didn't quite exactly say what it was that uh, had been bothering him. He wanted to sort of just try to look forward. And I think for the sake of everyone involved, hopefully I'm just glad that we're now at a place where we're talking about people being on the basketball court as opposed to not, because it's a lot more interesting to talk about basketball fit than it is you know all this other stuff that's fine tim really quickly i wanted to ask you because one of the things that came up with this friction between ben simmons and the sixers was his mental health and he talked about it a little bit today from the fans perspective and them not necessarily understanding the pressure that he was under 
but then also the fact that he was an employee and didn't give the Philadelphia 76ers insight into his mental health journey and the people that he was working with. So I'm just curious, has the NBA, had the Philadelphia Sixers talked about moving forward, how they're going to handle potential situations that come up like this with current players? Well, I think that's a really interesting question, and I think it's one that's got to be sorted out in the months ahead. You know, there's probably going to be some uh, litigation over Ben's salary that's been withheld, and I think it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. But you raise a really interesting question, and I think it's one that, um, you know, is going to have to be resolved going forward because, you know, it's it's a situation that, like you said, it didn't have clear answers to it. And in a league where you have collective bargaining agreements, as you know all well from your own career, you have to have rules that govern just about everything. And this is a situation where it's sort of hard to figure out what the rules are. And I think that's something they're going to have to sort out. Thanks for the time today. We really appreciate the insight. Goodbye. I think Tim left. Yeah, All right, that's Tim Bontemps, ESPN <laughs> that's NBA That's the Irish writer. goodbye from yeah. Tim. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps. Great stuff from him. I agree. I thought a lot of what Ben said, you know, I was kind of expecting. He didn't say anything to me that was earth-shattering, outside the fact that he feels ready to go and that he'd be ready to play when they do play the 70s. Why would you want to, like, I'm going to assume he's going to come back before that game. Why would Ben want that to be his first game back, back to Philadelphia? Why would he want that for himself? Why? Well, Shay, you know, you Shay, here's the thing though. You don't really know if you're over that X until you actually see him and they don't ah. trigger a response. So if you're truly thinking that you're putting this Philadelphia 76ers situation behind you, the perfect time to find out was when you go down there on March 10th and you're squaring off against Joel Embiid. See, In an my mind, I that's how understand. I would see it. Yeah, an analogy I can understand. Can't you see that's why, <laughs> that's why I like you. Uh, we got a lot of calls here to get uh, to get to between this Simmons and Harden trade and what they said and didn't say today. We'll get all to all of that next. Plus, how much of this is about Kyler Murray, his social media, and him wanting more dough? We'll talk about it all next. You're listening to Shea Cornette and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. We were going to go to NFL news, but – or NFL things, I should say, not news, because then it implies breaking news. Um, but there's so much to say about James Harden and Ben Simmons. we got to stick with it. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. If you want to join the conversation, who is under more pressure to win right now this year? Is it Ben Simmons or is it James Harden? Give us a call. The phone number on the Canty call in line is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 Six. We have some people here waiting to give us their opinions. Let's go to Corey in Dallas. Corey, what's going on? You're on ESPN Radio. What do you guys say? Uh, James Harden is under more pressure. But I was just wondering, like, the hamstring thing with Harden and uh, the mental thing with Ben Simmons, we know why Ben Simmons was – once the coach said what he said about Ben Simmons and then MB kicked back and said what he said, that's a young man. He's not fully developed. He wanted out of there. He cannot see himself playing with them after they don't say what they said about him. So I was just wondering, like, why ain't nobody bringing that up, that his mental issue was being around guys that he thought he could trust. But then they turned in the media and just blasted him like that after they just lost the series. Now I'm going to sit back and listen to y'all. Okay, so I think what Corey's trying to say is, like, perhaps the mental issue is more trust-based. Like, he feels like the guys that were supposed to have his back just went around and blasted him. 
hence causing him not to perform to the fullest of his capabilities. Am I understanding that right, Canty? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But, I mean, yeah. from a professional athlete standpoint, it's not outside the realm of possibility for your teammates or your coach to have something to say about you in the media. I Especially remember playing in Dallas well, for Bill right? Parcells. That used to be one of his favorite tactics. In order to try to get a guy's attention, he would go to the media and say something about how terrible the guy was playing and try to motivate that guy to get the best out of him. So I don't necessarily buy that as far as that being the the genesis of Ben Simmons' health issues. Now, I'm not going to say that they weren't the genesis of his mental health issues, but I don't think that that, that was it in and of itself. I think there might have been some underlying things that we might not have been aware of, and that's why Ben Simmons said it goes beyond what happened with the Atlanta Hawks series, it actually started before that. So if we're taking him at his word, then this is not just about how things ended last season, although that was spectacular and how disastrous it was. But I think this is also something that might be deep-rooted. And then the situation with Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers exacerbated the mental health issues that Ben was already dealing with. But I said this when Doc Rivers made the comments, saying whether you know he was non-committal about Ben Simmons being a championship-level point guard, Shea. And in my mind, I thought, that seems odd for the head coach to say that about an all-NBA talent in his mid-20s that's under contract for the next four years. I wasn't necessarily sold that you could put the genie back in the lamp after that happened. I I don't know that you could go back and say, okay, this is going to be our guy moving forward. It felt like that was the beginning of the end for Ben Simmons And, of course, we know he took the hard line stance going into training camp that he wasn't going to play for this team anymore. But, yeah, I'm with Corey. Ben Simmons' comments – I mean, not Ben Simmons, but Joel Embiid's comments and Doc Rivers' comments didn't help Ben Simmons' position in terms of feeling accepted in that Sixers locker room. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would create a medical issue, but of course it would make someone feel some kind of way about playing on the same team or for someone that doesn't quite have your back. Speaking of, let's hear from Ben Simmons because he was asked today about being offended by the criticism that came about when this trade was all coming to light, right? Be that in the beginning of the season when he decided to sit out or as we got closer and closer to the trade actually happening. Here's Ben Simmons and what he had to say. No, because I can't tell somebody how they feel, right? I can't tell somebody, you know, you need to do this or that. Cause I don't know how they feel. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know how they're processing things. So I can't do that, but I can't also put somebody else, you know, down for having those comments. I'm just not that person, you know, I'm never going to put my teammates down, my coaches or anything like that. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So putting it in the rear view, he doesn't want to bring it back up. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's not going to say anything about anyone else. I liked this taking the high road approach. Let's go to some more callers here. Let's go to Becky in Illinois. And we're asking who's got more pressure to win right now. Is it Ben Simmons or James Harden? Becky, what do you, what do you got to say? Hey guys. Um, first I want to say Miss Gojo, wish him luck. Appreciate, appreciate how you guys are still holding it down. Love the show. By far, I feel like pressure is on Harden. Ben Simmons is going to the Nets, kind of looking like a little wounded puppy. Nobody's really expecting anything besides something. Get on the court, play some defense, a little ball handling, everyone's happy. Now Harden, he's doing all like the team hopping to chase a chip. That's basically felt like he keeps telling teams like, screw you guys, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. So if he doesn't win the chip now or next year, then when is he? And Kenny, when you I'm going to disagree with your statement about how you said his bar is not being a champion or not getting that championship. 
if the bar is not the the chip, then I would argue that maybe it would be to stop taking his ball home, stay with the 76ers, and try to persevere. Well, Becky, my whole my whole thing was with Ben with James Harden forcing his way out of Brooklyn. Everybody's saying he's got championship expectations, and that may well be true. But if Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets don't go as far as James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers, then are we really upset that James Harden wanted out of that situation? Clearly, this seems like there could be more dysfunction in that locker room than everybody is even aware of. And that's saying a lot, given Kyrie Irving is a part of that team. So my whole point was this. The bar to clear for James Harden is not the championship. The bar to clear for James Harden is to make sure that they do better in terms of their season, how far they go in the playoffs, in comparison to where the Brooklyn Nets are at. And so right now, the Philadelphia 76ers, they're fourth in the Eastern Conference. The Nets are eighth in the Eastern Conference. We'll see what happens after the All-Star break and the final third of the season. But if James Harden and this group find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals or in the NBA Finals and the Brooklyn Nets only win a playoff series, then we're probably talking about James Harden being validated, being justified, and wanting to get out of a toxic situation that includes Kyrie Irving. You're just lowering the bar, aren't you, for those 76ers and James Harden. You're just dropping the bar, lowering well, everybody, lower. Everybody looks at James Harden as a malcontent, Shay, and here's what I don't understand, and we all have plenty of time to get into this, but here's what I don't understand. Why aren't folks more critical of Kyrie Irving? Forget about just the vaccine stance. We've, all what we've about, done what is about, talk about Kyrie Irving what, what, all what, year. What, what, about, what about last year with Kyrie going AWOL from the team? James Harden has seen this over the course of a year with being with the Brooklyn Nets. And if you're with somebody that you know the organization is depending on to be a key piece and the guy is unreliable, why wouldn't you want to get the hell out of there and try to get to a better situation? Because you knew this is who Kyrie was prior to signing with the Brooklyn Nets. You knew you Kyrie was a me first kind of guy. You didn't know he was going to go for two weeks. We'd never seen Kyrie go AWOL from a team. No, but you knew he was a me kind of person. It wasn't the team first. It was going to be Kyrie first. This is a narrative that's been floating out there for years. This is something you knew when you signed up for. And we've also criticized Kyrie Irving to the 10th degree multiple times. So I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't take any fault, but I'm just saying, come on, Harden can't pretend like he didn't know. That that Kyrie Irving was in a me first kind of a person. That's who he is. That's yeah, why. but I, I don't think I don't think you can know that he's going to go AWOL from the team, and I don't think you can know that he was not going to get vaccinated in the middle of well, a global yeah, pandemic. I don't think know. I don't think you can predict either one of those things. That yeah, the, the, you definitely can't predict the vaccination situation. <laughs> okay, that is all for right. certain. All right, coming up, we're going to get to Canty's Super Bowl top five. But first, we've got this Bank of America live. Read what's going on. It's game day, and you're ready to go all out. So you ordered the essentials to make it a success like a jersey, a power recliner, and even the big screen TV. And you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Rewards that put you toward an essential piece of the celebration. An air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2022 Bank of America Corporation. Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio, back after this. Here's the snap, here's the knee. The Bengals will not call a timeout. The sidelines empty. Rings for the Rams. A Lombardi trophy for Los Angeles on their home field in Super Bowl 56. The Los Angeles Rams are world champions. 
Yeah, it was a 23-20 to victory for the Rams over the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday night. Doesn't it feel like that was like a week ago at this point now, or is it just me? It was only two nights ago. Yeah, um, it feels <laughs> like it's kind of dragging out a little bit, but I don't know if that's just a product of Of what, us. our week, what we work in? I don't yeah, know. exactly. That, and then, of course, with you, you're married to an avid uh, Bengals yeah. fan who was actually that at the Super Bowl, and it was a crushing loss for him. And so I'm not sure if it makes it feel like dog years in terms of him Days. being able to process and deal with all of the range of emotions he's going through. That's a really good point, Canty. I think it's yeah. all of the above. Uh, ESPN Radio, the ESPN <laughs> app, Sirius XM Channel Lady, and ESPN Plus. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here, hanging out with you. You can tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. All right, Shay, so you know it's Tuesday, ESPN Radio, and around here we like to get into something that we call Top 5, Bottom 5, where we give our top five takes from the game, from the weekend that was in the National Football League, and our bottom five from what we saw on Sunday. And so I guess I'm in the penthouse this week, and you're in the outhouse with the bottom five. But without outhouse? Can we go in, basement? Outhouse? I mean, I mean where, wherever you want to be. Some some place that people generally don't want to be because it is the bottom. Nobody really wants to be at the bottom. Who wants to be at the bottom? But, like, outhouses are from, like, the ancient times. Can't we just say basement? Like a cold oh, basement? Unfinished okay. basement, maybe? Okay, so you want to be in the unfinished ba- ba- unfinished a tent? basement? I'll even go with the unfinished, tent. Uh, okay. Cellar. Yeah, that's better. Cellar? cellar okay, also we'll put old, you but... in the cellar. For okay. top five, bottom five. Thank Shay you. will have the cellar, the bottom five. An and then I'll have the penthouse, which is the top five. And we're going to get that started right about now. Which teams were great? Breaks a tackle at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown. What player was not? Does he hang on? Intercepted. He couldn't hang on. This is the NFL top five, bottom five. Number five. All right, Shay, number five, I got to start with somebody that's probably going to make Giants fans and Cleveland Browns fans a little upset, but I feel good about this guy. It's a feel-good story for the National Football League in the 2021 season. It is Odell Beckham Jr. He scored the first touchdown in Super Bowl 56. He took the scenic route in order to get to the Super Bowl because he did start the season with the Cleveland Browns, but there was some beef between him and Baker Mayfield and eventually the Browns ended up cutting him, siding with their quarterback, and all he did for the Rams quarterback is pave the way to them being able to win a Super Bowl. In that first half, his presence was undeniable. Up until that point, he got hurt in the second quarter. The, the Los Angeles Rams had, had 165 yards passing, and they had a lead up 13-10. to 10. When he got hurt, the game changed a little bit, and you saw Matthew Stafford in that Rams offense struggle just a tad. Stafford finished with 270 yards. So it goes to show you that his impact on that game was undeniable. But the most important thing is OBJ was able to get a ring. And I feel like that was the one thing that was missing off of his resume. He completely changed the perception of what he's about, what he prioritizes in NFL circles, as well as in the eyes of the media and the fan base. So good on OBJ. I hate that he had the knee injury, but he ended up getting the Super Bowl ring and paid a key part in the Rams being able to get that done. 
Yeah, I feel like the narrative surrounding OBJ has completely shifted and changed since he joined this Rams team, mainly because, in my opinion, he wasn't the number one wide receiver. He didn't have to be. That belonged to Cooper Cup, obviously, and then after an injury to Robert Woods, OBJ could just kind of fill in the gaps. Every story I've heard about OBJ as a teammate there on that Los Angeles Rams team has been phenomenal. Um, My heart hurt for him when he got when he was injured in that game for all the reasons that you just said in terms of on the field, but then also off off the field. I mean, you saw the tears obviously coming down his face after the Rams did win it. I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy he was able to be a part of this and score a touchdown prior to the injury because I feel like this whole narrative would have been different without it. But I agree with this number five on the top five list. All right, keep it in push. Number four. Got to give some love to the big guys. Mike Golick Jr. would be proud. Got to shout out my guy, Andrew Whitworth, LSU Tiger, former Cincinnati Bengal, now being able to get a championship ring in the Super Bowl against his former team, 16 years in the game, the oldest player in the NFL, the oldest player ever to start a game at left tackle. Shout out to Andrew Whitworth, continuing to get it done. He's probably going to shut it down. I'm anticipating that he's going to retire any day now. And it's much deserved. He had a great career. But the fact that he has this kind of ending to his career, again, 16 seasons, four Pro Bowls, two All-Pros, and now being able to call himself a champion for the rest of his life, you can't script it much better than that. And I guess that makes sense because they are out in Hollywood. And he was friends with a lot of those Bengals players, Joe Burrow being one of them. You did two LSU guys now so far, OBJ and Andrew Whitworth. Who you got next? All right. Keep it moving. Number Number three. I don't think this guy went to LSU. But he does a good job of coaching LSU guys, and he does a good job of coaching in general. That would be Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, who put together a unit that held the Bengals to four of 18 on third and fourth downs, one of three in the red zone, 305 total yards, totaled 16 pressures, 12 quarterback hits, and seven sacks, which is tied for a Super Bowl record. So I don't know if you can script the X's and O's much better going up against that Bengals offense. A very dynamic skill position core. Even though they have a shaky offensive line, that's a really good offensive unit. And Raheem Morris got it done in terms of cutting off the faucet on that group, especially in the second half. But the offensive coordinator got a new head coaching job. Raheem Morris didn't even interview, I don't think. Ah, That's a story for another day. I guess that makes sense, right? All right, keeping it moving. (laughs) Number two. Number two. All right. Cooper Cup, uh, Super Cooper Cup, I guess we can call him now, was the catalyst for the game-winning drive. 15 plays, 79 yards, and on that drive, Cooper Cup had four targets, four catches, and he had the run for seven yards, which converted a critical fourth and one on the Rams' own 30-yard line. Cooper Cup is the guy that you got to go to in that situation because the game is in the balance. It's less than five minutes to go, and he delivered in a big way. Cooked Eli Apple for the game-winning touchdown. I mean, it's a hell of a way to cap an all-time season by Cooper Cup. I mean, I'm not sure that we've seen a wide receiver put up a better season, winning the triple count, coming, I think, 16 yards off of the receiving record set by Calvin Johnson for single-season yards, and I think he was, what, four receptions off of Mikey Thomas's record for number of receptions in a single season? But then to have that as well as Super Bowl MVP, a pretty good run for Cooper Cup. No doubt about it. Uh, it's only the eighth time a wide receiver has won the Super Bowl MVP. And by the way, Canty, he's only 29. He hasn't even hit 30 yet, and this dude is doing the most. Yeah, he's balling flat out. Yeah. But let me tell you the guy that was balling the most in the Super Bowl, the guy that should have won Super Bowl MVP. That's right. And it's not just because I'm a defensive lineman. I yeah, just right. Think this guy, I think this guy is just that dominant, and that would be one Aaron Donald. 
Forget about the stats, although it was a very impressive stat line. Four tackles, two sacks, five quarterback hits, eight hurries. He closed out the game with the hit on fourth down on Joe Burrow. But the most important sequence in that game, after the Rams have an interception on their first possession in the second half, the series after that, Darren Donald sacked Joe Burrow twice on a red zone possession, which forced the Bengals to settle for a field goal, keeping that game at one possession. I want to say it was a 20-13 to 13 game. It could have been a lot uglier than that if you allow the Cincinnati Bengals to go in and score a touchdown. That's a 24-13 game. The complexion is completely different. Aaron Donald was the main reason why that thing didn't get out of hand early in that third quarter. The Bengals have the best point margin of any team in the National Football League in the third quarter. Aaron Donald led that defense. They stepped up, and that's why he would have been my Super Bowl MVP because that was the most critical moment in the game. So yeah. what do you think about my top five, Shay? Did I do I all right? It. You did great. I just want to add to the top five. I just okay. want to add to the Aaron Donald thing situation too. In the second half, when they got in that little scuffle along the sideline, you remember? I feel like that really ticked him off a little, and he never looked back after that. That set off a little something, something in Aaron Donald's mind. Not, not that he wasn't dominant up until that point, but I feel like that really sent it over the edge. Uh, top five's good. However, for throwing me in the cellar, even though I'm kind of new to the show, I feel a little <laughs> offended that you're chilling in the penthouse. But hopefully, my cellar dwellings here later will uh, uh, you'll be proud of. I guess I will say. So I, <laughs> I liked the top five. Okay, good. there we go. There we go. So there is the top five. And Shay will have the bottom five a little later up in the show. But coming up next, how much is this Kyler Murray situation about wanting a new contract? Shay and I'll chime in. We'll have the answer for you. This is ESPN Radio. The 1975 NBA Finals featured the Al Addles-led Warriors versus the Casey Jones-led Washington Bullets, marking the first championship in American major professional sports history to feature two black coaches. Led by Hall of Famer Rick Barry, the Warriors swept Alvin Hayes and the Bullets four games to none, the team's last title until 2015. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. Now we have Kyler Murray. He doesn't follow the Cardinals anymore. If you are part of the Cardinals organization, what are you thinking right now? We've given this dude everything that he needed to be successful. If he hadn't been successful, that's a him problem. Why would you not follow your team that you play for on social media? All right, ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus, Shea Cornette and Chris Canty here, rocking with you on a Tuesday. Um, you know, Canty and I were just talking in the break about how it feels like the Super Bowl was so long ago now. But there are other things, of course, always going on in the NFL. And this one pertains to the Arizona Cardinals. So in case you've missed any of the drama, let me just catch you up really fast. Uh, Kyler Murray decides to erase all pictures, has nothing on his social media that pertains to the Arizona Cardinals whatsoever. There's like a photograph of him winning the Heisman, and then one from the Pro Bowl. His profile pic is, I think, him in a baseball uniform, in an athletics uniform, something of that nature. (laughs) So then we all speculate. Is it something to do with a a Super Bowl commercial? What is going on? Reports come forward that, yes, indeed, he wants a new contract and all these things. And However, he's been kind of seen as this guy who doesn't like to work hard and doesn't work well with his other teammates and um, isn't the easiest to get along with. Okay, I'm paraphrasing there, but these are kind of what the reports are. And then Kyler Murray takes to social media to release a statement and it says this I play this game for the love of it my teammates everyone who has helped me get to this position that believed in me and to win championships all of this nonsense is not what I'm about never has been never will be anyone who has ever stepped between those lines with me knows how hard I go love me or hate me 
but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. Okay, so um, the question is now, Kyler Murray can get a new deal. How much of all this is for that, is for more money in his pocket, Candy? Well, I don't know of too many situations, Shay, where you can't fix a problem by throwing money at it. So I would absolutely say that this is about Kyler Murray angling for a contract. Keeping in mind, he just completed his third season, so he is now eligible for a contract extension. And usually when teams are sold on having their franchise guy, that's exactly what they do. Like last year, Josh Allen took the Buffalo Bills to the AFC Championship game, had a really good regular season, especially the second half of 2020. And the Bills rewarded him with a six-year contract that was paying him $43 million a year on average annual value. So – I could imagine that Kyler Murray feels like he's in line for something along those lines. Now, we get it. Josh Allen had a lot more success in the postseason to this point in his career than than Kyler Murray has. And so I think that might be why the Arizona Cardinals are hesitating to kind of shell out that type of cash. But I absolutely think this is a situation where the Arizona Cardinals should explore what a potential contract extension looks like for Kyler Murray if Murray is amenable to them getting a team-friendly deal. And what I mean by that is a deal that's not at the current market value. Like, you're not talking about top-of-the-market money when a team has three more seasons in effect without having to pay you. Keep it in mind that the Arizona Cardinals have the last year of Kyler Murray's remaining rookie contract. They have the fifth-year option, which they could exercise this spring, and they have the benefit of being able to use a franchise tag. So they don't have to be in a rush. Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury don't have to run to the bank to get the money for Kyler Murray right now unless it ends up being a deal that provides favorable terms for the Arizona Cardinals. And I guess Kyler Murray is reacting to their response and saying that they don't have to do anything right now, and that's what led to him taking all of the Cardinal stuff off of his social media. I think it's childish to go out there and post a picture of you in the A's uniform because we know you ain't going out there to play play baseball. Hell, we don't even know if they're going to have a baseball season. So, uh, And plus, he's a quarterback in the National Football League. You can make a lot more money playing quarterback in the NFL than you can playing baseball. So I, I just I don't understand why Kyler Murray is taking this approach. I also don't understand why the Arizona Cardinals wanted to be adversarial by leaking things to Chris Mortensen talking about the immaturity of Kyler Murray because from all accounts, he seems like a good teammate out in Arizona. So I, I just, I don't know. It feels like one of those situations where both sides are being stubborn and dug in, and it's not going to necessarily lend itself to it playing out the best this offseason. Yeah, I don't like it. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Just visit Progressive.com. Look, here's what I'll say about that statement. He doesn't like the no-nonsense. He started the nonsense. He's the one that True. removed everything from his social media. We would never be talking about Kyler Murray. Moore would never be digging for information about Kyler Murray had he not done that to his social media. He opened this can of worms. So now you need to accept what it is. And all the narratives that are coming out from Arizona's camp in terms of him being immature only feels like that are true because of what he did to his social media. You want you want more money? Go through your agent. That's why you have an agent. Let him deal with that. You don't need to be putting things out for all of us to be speculating about on social media. It feels so immature and quite frankly, I don't want to be involved in this either. Please. No more of that. All right, coming up, moving forward. How can organizations better aid their players who are dealing with mental health issues? This all stems from Ben Simmons speaking today now that he is a Brooklyn net. We'll do that. 